Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. All right, let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook. This is one of these great moments every week. I look forward to this because every week I get the opportunity to um, and meet with somebody and share with my audience some lessons, experiences uh, regarding the power of listening and the impact great listening behaviors have on building trust, improving relationships, and solving complex problems. Uh, today's guest is Lori Johnson. Um, I will be formally introducing Lori in a few minutes. But before I inter- officially introduce her, I'd like to take a moment to provide a little perspective and background for today's conversation. It's going to be a unique one, too, um, so I'm, I'm hoping you're as excited as I am. A few weeks back, um, I was talking about the, this radio show with a friend and trying to explain to them uh, the foundational beliefs around um, selfless listening, which uh, if you want to, if you missed it, it's in episode one. It was a solo thing on what selfless listening is, why that's important, et cetera. So if you didn't catch episode one, I'd encourage you to go back to that. Um, but I was talking to this friend and we got into a long discussion about what true listening or selfless listening was all about. And it was, I think it was a lively discussion. We kind of went back and forth. But uh, over the course of our conversation, my friend drew the conclusion that selfless listening wasn't as much about listen, listening and how we listen, but it's more about how well we pay attention to all aspects of communication and all aspects of a communi- conversation with somebody, not only focusing on what's being said and how the words are being uh, said, expressed, but even beyond that, so I gave this some thought and concluded there's more to selfless listening than focus on listening and blocking out the mental internal distractions. It is, in fact, about paying attention. And in our second episode, Kate Turner talked about making sure people felt heard, seen, and understood. And according to Kate, that included paying close attention not only to what is being said, but to what is not being said. I thought that was a great uh, coaching move because there are things that people don't share with us and it kind of like leads to what's, what are they leaving out? What are they missing? But there's also another component to it. Um, and we're going to talk about that. You know, for me, I naturally read people quite well. And so I've gotten to the point where I can kind of trust in the, in the course of the conversation, not only, you know, gauging what they're saying, but uh, the sense that they may be holding back or they may be reluctant, whatever that is. So there's some body language that goes with it and we'll call those nonverbal cues. Um, and because I pay, because uh, I do things intuitively, I can easily muster through that. But as we're learning about listening and learning about how to have um, uh, powerful and impactful conversations with people that uh, we add value to the relationship and we move things forward. I think it's important to look at there's another dimension to the, to the conversation. That's the non-verbal um, cue. And, you know, one of the things I first, one of my first thoughts was when I was thinking about that was um, networking events. I don't know. We've all been to networking events mm-hmm. where we end up meeting somebody and that person that we're meeting is talking to us. 
goes on a five-minute tirade about their business and their ideal client, what they do and how they do it, why they do it, what makes them special. And it seems like, you know, I'm, I'm suffering through a sales presentation. And what drives me crazy with that is, is that as much as I try to pay attention, there's got to be something, because I don't I, I don't play poker well, there's probably something that I'm saying to that person and the way I'm looking at it is like, please stop talking yeah. or, you know, knock it off. And they just ram right through and get to the end of their presentation and then they have nothing else to say because they've exhausted themselves and I have nothing to say because I want to move on to the next person. So I think, you know, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about um, the importance of listening by paying attention and how to observe the behaviors of our audience and how to hear what's not being said, how to respond to um, nonverbal cues when we observe them. And the fun thing about this this is the switch because usually we're talking to business leaders or um, coaches, personal coaches and stuff like that. This conversation is going to be talking about their experiences with animals, specifically dogs and how dogs um, sense and listen and pay attention. So today's guest is Lori Johnson. She's the creator and educator at Charity Sweet Legacy. Um, one of the first thing I noticed about her in her bio is 38 years in education. But as part of her 38 years in education, she did a special, she did a stint at a secondary school and uh, as a special ed, ed teacher. And that's where Lori first had an opportunity to witness how dogs change the lives of the students. And as a result, she spent seven years volunteering with co-service dogs and instructing their canines in the classroom program. We'll learn more about that rather shortly. After retiring from teaching, Lori founded Sweet Charity Medical Assistant Dogs, uh, developed the Canine Ambassador Program, and started Diabetes Dog Alert. So you can see that Lori is doing things with dogs to, um, you know, obviously dogs are listening. They're paying attention to how dogs you know, provide uh, emotional value to the people that uh, they're, they're working with. Um, Sweet Charity and all her other programs are part of a larger passion project inspired on a legacy of her dog obviously named Charity, and Charity's unconditional, non-judgmental ways brought love and acceptance to all the students she worked with over the years. Um, one of the, and like I said, you know, one of the key conversations today will revolve around discovering the power of nonverbal cues and what we can learn from the ways dogs respond to individual emotions and environmental situations and how they're able to shift the dynamic in certain situations. So, Lori, you know, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to spend the time with you today, David. So, you know, the best place to always start is at the beginning. And you and I had a conversation, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, the aha moment that you had when you were experiencing this, this unique dynamic, like, wow, these dogs, they get it. Wow. Going back that far. <laughs> Do your best. <laughs> Um, I guess the, the, the students that I worked with, with the, uh, the Coke dogs way back in high school, were a variety of different students. Some of them um, had truancy issues. They, they weren't showing up for school. They just had lost all sense of purpose, um, just didn't feel they belonged anywhere, uh, were suffering from depression. A, a million different things going on in their lives. And the other uh, set of students were students who had profound special needs. 
And it's really interesting to think that these two types of students that are very different um, could benefit in the same way from adding the dogs into the program. Um, the students who were, I guess when we go, go back to um, listening, not telling, but really hearing, the first time I noticed that with the students who were truant was they, they felt that something was giving them unconditional love, non-judgmental uh, relationship. They, they really needed this student. They would uh, come to school because they, they knew that they needed to groom the student, that they needed to, uh, sorry, groom the dog they needed to uh, train the dog, all these different types of things that made them feel like they were really, really important. These students with special needs were, they leveled, the, it, the playing field was leveled for them in a school where everyone else was uh, seen as better, not to me, but to many other people in the population of the school. Uh, but they were able to also feel that they were being listened to. They were able to uh, learn how to read body language of the dog. It was this two-way communication that both of these groups had probably never experienced before in, in this manner. The students who were feeling depressed and not coming to school would talk about feeling very lonely even though they were maybe living in families, families were busy and they often felt invisible. But when they were with the dog, there was this two-way communication that was powerful and, and undeniable. Where the, the students with, with special needs may have uh, issues with language, with being able to communicate in the traditional way that you and I are communicating now, but the, the dogs could understand what they were trying to say and vice versa. So when I go that far back, that's probably what stands out in my mind and, and the incredible uh, bonding and love that they were all experiencing just opened up doors that they never, with the, the students with special needs, I remember the parents saying they reached potential that we didn't even think was possible. So it doesn't get any better than that. Quite true. That's, that is something. It's interesting. You know, one of the things that I heard, and it sounds very much like, uh, you know, our thing on selfless listening is, um, you know, unconditional love, it's acceptance um, and all that stuff. So, you know, that, that, that dog was there for that person and that person and experienced that dog being there for them. Right. Yeah. And that, and, and then what it did was it brought out a whole bunch of behaviors in the individual as a result of the presence of the dog saying, yep, yeah, I'm here for you. Is that, yeah. is that kind of how it went? Yeah. So I think it's the unconditional non-judgmental piece that really is a way to pull that all together. Uh, there's so many more intricacies. Um, I call it a, the, the invisible tether mm -hmm. between the human and the dog and everything that the human feels thinks all of their, uh, that goes down that leash right to that dog. And the way that we, what we're feeling and what we're thinking can be mirrored to us through the dog's 
response to what we're thinking and feeling. If you're feeling stressed and anxious, then the dog will begin to show body language that indicates that they're feeling stressed and anxious because they are so receptive to everything that we are thinking and feeling. And I used to teach the students to uh, monitor how they were, what was going on in their bodies by watching their dog and then pet the dog, feel calmer, and then be able to take advantage of this biofeedback loop of, okay, I'm seeing a change in my dog. Let me think here now on a scale of one to 10, where's my anxiety level now? And they would be able to say that it had been quite reduced and they were able to actually see that in the dog. And we taught them to read body language, to read the dog's body language and to know what a stressed dog looked like, what were some of the signs and uh, just watching them pet the dog and seeing this mutual relaxation occurring and reduced stress and anxiety in the student. Um, again, it's, it's hard to put into words, David. It really is. It's, um, well, I've, I, while you're putting into words, what you're giving is you give me a visual image. So I uh, maybe you don't need to put it into words oh, any more than you have. Because um, what I'm what I'm you know hearing and I'm sensing in this in this conversation, we're going di- to dive into it deeper after our first break. But um, you know we're we're dealing with people who uh, like you talk about people with truancy and stuff like that. So kids who are skipping school, they're not coming to school because they're they're not coming to school because they don't want to. They have other things, whatever, to the distraction. They feel different. They feel isolated. They feel alone. They don't feel like they belong. So they skip out. Then we have special needs kids who don't know necessarily, I mean, it's probably going to get trouble for the, the political statement, but they, they feel different. They know different. So they feel judgment because in their community because, you know, uh, you know special needs and stuff like that. And we try to navigate that and minimize it. But you know, the truth is the truth. And my, I think is everybody knows that there's a little something going on, right? But what they do is they show up and there's this dog. This dog says, okay, I'm yours. Let's, let's be buddies. There's acceptance. And it's just right there changes the dynamics. Like really that dog likes me. Sure. The dog loves you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's start, let's start there. Right. What a gift. Oh, yes. And we took it even further where we would teach the students um, self care by teaching them how to look after the dog. So the dog needs to be groomed. The dog needs to, we would teach them how to do health checks with the animals so that, they would be able to feel really empowered by being the one that would check that dog over for lumps or bumps or maybe an ear infection. And then they would be in charge of uh, telling us that there was something going on with the dog and maybe even to the point where we would have the dog go to the vet and then they'd be involved in the follow-up if there was some kind of a drop that needed to go into the dog's ear for a while. And it just, the empowerment that you'd see with, I'm thinking back to my special needs students, they would be so, they'd have their, their clipboards and they would be, we would figure out ways that they could actually jot down using picture symbols or however they needed us to modify or make those accommodations. And they would feel so proud that they were able to be a part of this whole process of keeping this dog healthy. And then we'd relate it to their own self-care. What do you need to do to keep yourself healthy? And 
And again, it whether it was the students with special needs or the students who just didn't feel very good about themselves, it had the same result. It yeah. made them recognize that they were important and looking after themselves was just as important as looking after the dog. Right. But it started with first giving them some responsibility for the dog, things to look for, how to be responsible for the yes. dog. And then you flipped it and said, okay, how can you be responsible for yes. yourself? Yes. And it, 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 it was always about making those transitions from what they were doing with the dog to how to improve their own lives in, in some, some way. Mm -hmm. and, and they probably gave them some confidence that they could do that because they experienced the impact of their behaviors on the dog. Exactly. That, okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty darn cool. So what is it that makes dogs, we're, you know, I'm worried I'm going to ask you this question, we're going to run out of time, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. What is it about dogs that make, because I know people use pets, you know, rescue animals and stuff like that. What is it about dogs that just make them so natural as a, an accepting, loving kind of therapy for people? They're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love they're humans. They're on this earth really and truly to bring joy. They truly just want to bring joy to the, the people that they're surrounded by. Um, you can see it in their faces uh, when you come home from work. If your dog's been home waiting for you, that dog is, is just the most excited and happy. There's nothing in the world that will be more excited to see you than your dog. <laughs> True. They communicate that through, again, through their body language with their wiggly body and the tail wagging and the just the circling, like all dogs have different ways of expressing their happiness. But it, um, I think it's their joyful nature and they live in the present moment. They live in the here and the now. They're not worried about the future. They don't think about the past. They just enjoy every single minute with their human. <laughs> and after the break, I want to just tell you a quick story about what happened with my family that um, really puts this all into a perspective that uh, hopefully will help the listeners to, to really get, get the idea of why dogs are so special. Well, you just teed up our break. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, that's a, I guess that's what we have to look forward to when you come back from break. Lori has a game changer story for all of us and it'll enlighten us on uh, why she why she's doing what she's doing and why she's so excited about it. So uh, come on back after break. Stay tuned. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. 
In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Stop telling and start listening. This is David Cook and my guest, Lori Johnson. You know, before we went to break, Lori was talking about um, uh, dogs getting all excited about seeing us and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to I'm going to confess to the whole world. Everybody's going to say, Dave, I'm so disappointed. I am not a pet guy. I'm going to fess up to that. But one, but that doesn't mean I don't like him. It's just I don't have one, and I honestly don't desire to have one. But that doesn't mean I don't like other people's dogs. I'm happy they have them. But one of the things that's really interesting, I've always noticed about um, dogs, and I'm, I'd like to say it's because of my charming personality that um, they come up to me. But it's really more like what Lori was talking about. Dogs are there. Um, they're looking for a friend. They're looking for somebody to hang with and, and stuff like that. So when I go over to a friend's house and I have a dog, the dog's looking at me and check me out. Are you safe? Are you fun? Well, you know, will you play with me? Will you talk to me? Will you see me? Whatever it is, they're, they, they, they come up to you and look at you. For, you know, they, they're, they're sizing me up. But at the same time, they're looking for that window to connect. There's an, is there an opportunity for us to connect? And I think that's what you were talking about earlier, right? Is that dogs are there saying, yeah, let's form a connection. Let's be friends, Dave. Okay. You know, is, is that, is that a fair yeah, enough? I don't think there's a human in the world. That they don't really like, I mean, dogs will know when someone doesn't appreciate them. They have sense. Like I explained before, they have a sense about people and um, they will still want to go up and say hello, but they'll get a sense very quickly that this person doesn't really want to engage with them. And so they get that and they'll, they, they back away. They really do understand that yeah. very intuitively. Right. And what the, and obviously they're, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take verbal cues, but at the beginning like that, when I don't know the dog and I don't know the animal, the animal doesn't know me, they're watching my body language and my behaviors, yes. and the things that I'm doing to, to decide how, whether it's safe and how it's safe or, you know, and that kind of stuff. They, they're feeling your energy too. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about energy and they synchronize with our energy. And if you are uh, very, very hyper, you will see the dog be more hyper. I just very quickly, when we were at break, I was just telling David about, my little puppy, I was concerned that you guys might be hearing her squeaking her toy or this. And, and David said, no, but he said, why? What's going on? I, I said, well, she just, I, I was a little nervous. I'll be perfectly honest. And I was, it, that was coming through. And so she was coming over and being quite distracting. And, and then once I just, I decided I've got to reduce my stress because she's now reacting and it's causing, I'm not, this is not going well for me. So I focused on what 
I was trying to speak to David about and share with the listeners. And all of a sudden she just, I could feel myself calming down and she's now laying down and, and she's fine. So there's a perfect example of how they are very connected to yeah. our energy, our emotions, all those things that we think we might be hiding, but they'll, they'll catch, they'll get it every time. Right. They're masters right. of listening. Right. And um, before I go to your story, because that's what you teed up before I break, everybody's like, don't worry, tell me the story. But um, before, because we're spending a lot of time talking about dogs, but I kind of want to take a minute right now to remind my listeners is, because um, as we're talking, we, obviously we're doing an education at dogs, but the subliminal message is um, listening to how, you know, learning how dogs respond to their environment. They're paying attention. They're paying, they're paying close attention. They're listening, you know, for verbal cues, but they're paying attention to energy. They're paying attention to emotions. They're paying attention to the environment that we're bringing to them to decide how they're going to respond or it's going to influence how they respond. Is that, is that a fair summary of what we've talked about? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Which, you know, when it comes to the conversations that we have with people, and we'll spend, we'll come back to this, but the conversations that we have with others we need to go into that same mode. How are people feeling about us as we're engaging them? What are they bringing to the conversation in terms of energy and emotion and not and beyond the words? It's like, are we really observing that stuff? Because that's part of it. If somebody's not ready to have a conversation with us and we're trying to have a conversation, if we're not going to have what we want to have, we'll have something, but it won't be what we hope to accomplish if they're defensive or they're nervous or they're afraid or they're distrusting. So I'm glad you mentioned all that because we are talking about dogs and the connection with humans, but it really is about learning how we can communicate better in a more two way manner. And everything you said is a hundred percent. You, we, we, um, include the dogs in our practice, whether it's a private practice like what Kate does with coaching or whether it's an educator or a clinical psychologist. It's about demonstrating through the dogs some of those difficult things for us to learn, like communication and being able to read someone's energy and and being present and um, understanding when this conversation is not going to go well because the listener just isn't just being able to to make some judgments Mm -hmm. and make some changes within the plan or right so that the outcome can be more productive for everyone yeah so um and we'll come back to that but i know you wanted to uh uh the way that I should say wanted to, but you offered to tell us a story about how you, uh, how this, you know, your family impact and stuff like that. So please uh, it, share, it share the story that, that, that you teed up before break. Okay. Everybody's waiting there. They got their, pop, they got their popcorn and their pen and all that stuff. They're ready to go. It just stands out in my mind. And it's because it was recent. Um, we, we have had a family dog that was 17 and a half years old. And my son was 14 when we got her. And now he's a 31-year-old man. And we just had to make the decision to say goodbye to her last Friday. 
And so we all gathered as a family um, at my daughter's home and we had the vet come to do an uh, in-home euthanasia. It was so beautiful and peaceful, but why this story kind of relates to all of this is there was so much communication going on as part of this decision. And I would like to believe that the dog was communicating her wishes in the way that dogs communicate for us to make a really difficult decision. Mm -hmm. And the the, uh, communication that had to go on between my daughter and my son and myself, because the three of us were, we all were, were part of her life for 17 years. So it wasn't just one person's decision. And to watch um, the three of us, well, I was more watching, even though they're adults, they're still my kids. So I was watching how they were going through this process and trying to read their body language, see how they were coping with this and be able to respond in a way that was going to be helpful to them. And we also had my grandson there who was six, he chose to stay. And so to be able to monitor and provide the right, you know, what he needed as well in a really difficult time was, I'm very proud of us. It was the, a real exercise in being able to communicate with each other prior and then during and then after. And my kids lost their father four years ago in September. And so grief is real for them. Grief is, this was a dog, but she was a dog that they'd had through so many of our life experiences. And um, I just, communication, I, I think you're just tapping into something that's so important and that listening and that really, really hearing um, each other, even in those very, very difficult times when we're already feeling what we're feeling. I was feeling my own grief, but being able to hear what they were telling me through their body language was, it was really important. And they were very kind and caring towards me too. So. Right. You know, it's, it, I love, um, I'm, I'm sorry about the story in some respects, but I love, I, I love the story. Um, because I'm, you know, again, back to the visual image that I get, she talked about um, paying close attention, you know, being, being, being the mom that you are loving, concerned, caring. You did try to get in the middle and talk it out. What you were really doing is I was stand a little bit off and, uh, and observe it out. I want to see, I want to see how they're responding, see how they're interacting, see how they're feeling. We may have, we may communicate verbally, but I'm paying close attention to the cues that, that I'm getting from them. And then when you injected your six-year-old grandson into the picture, because I have, a, I have an eight-year-old grandson, they don't know how to communicate what they're feeling. Right. You know, they, they might be trying to or wanting to, but because they're not confident of the words or they don't know what words to use, there's that, that your grandson was sending you signals, sending, yeah. you, sending you messages. And you, because you're you're focused on that, you were able to meet him where he was within in the process of whatever was going on. Is that pretty? Oh, you you're just so good at taking what I'm saying and putting it into some a beautiful context <laughs> and simplify it all. And because I tend to overword things, but uh, yes, it 
it, I'm actually motivated to write a children's book about mm. grief, but it would be um, Goodbye Angel because the dog's name was Angel and he went and kissed her and said, Goodbye Angel. Oh. And that's a moment that will stay with me. And one of the other things was he he said, Mommy, I don't like when you're crying so much. I, I, I'm scared. And I said, Leah, to my daughter, this is a perfect teaching moment that grief is uh, hard and it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel it. And you can cry and you can cry with mommy and mommy's okay. I'm actually better because I'm crying. Just so many teachable opportunities in this uh, experience as a family. And that's what we did with, with the dogs in the school with the, with the students was every opportunity that we could see, we took. And a lot of the time it was um, something that was happening with, with the dog and the relationship between the students and the dogs that, that gave us so many teachable moments that we would never have. It was so natural and and just um it, it was not having these big plans and it has to go this way it was really just opening ourselves up to teaching what came our way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you know it, it's, it's funny how you say that because it you know you didn't script it and you know what uh, as i said in the introduction earlier you know, like the pre-introduction the discussion I had with my friend is telling me about this listing. I was trying to explain to him, they said, Dave, you know, that a lot of what you're saying is intuitive. And I go, yeah, for me, it is intuitive. Okay. Because I've been, you know, uh, my whole career, my whole life has been really about listening and observing, um, you know, and, and, you know, without getting into deep psychology, I learned it because I had an unstable um, environment as a child. So I had to read my environment under, to, before I could do something because is it stable? Is it safe? Who's, who can I be safe with? Who can't I be safe with? So I did a lot of environmental observation. And so when I gauge people, I was reading them the whole time. For me, that's intuitive. It's natural. It's not natural for somebody else normally. Yes. And, you know, obviously, then when you go to script something, if you try to script something that's not natural, it, it just, it's forced and it's obvious it's unnatural. Everybody gets awkward again. However, having said that, I'm kind of curious, how do you teach these, because um, you're obviously not teaching the dog how to respond. You're teaching these kids how to respond. How do you teach people to be observant and, 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 Pay, pay attention, I guess, is the simple question. Yeah, what you're describing is unconscious competence. When you do something huh. for so long, it's part of your, your unconscious competence. And right. it's really hard to walk that back. Mm -hmm. For me to now, and I'm telling, I'm saying that to be really, really honest, but I'm going to do my best to answer that question. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the way you said that because that's true because I you know um, at the other end of the spectrum is conscious incompetence we're yes. aware that we stink at something yeah as and we that's start a very uncomfortable it. place to be because yes. you really have to give into it and know that you really stink and you gotta <laughs> <laughs> learn so your question was to how do you teach someone to be observing in terms of communication yeah can you uh, well, there's one thing that you do with really, really young children, and you teach them how to, it's, uh, oh, it's been a long time since I've taught little children, but it's saying to, to, if they feel hurt, 
by someone, they say, um, they actually use the words, I am feeling hurt because you made me, or I, yeah, always using I am feeling, not you made me. It's actually teaching them a script of how to deal with situations when they're feeling hurt or left out or, and then being able to paraphrase back um, and, and, and just what, what, what's your friend's body, you know, like really just teach them where are your friend's hands right now? Mm-hmm. Do they look relaxed? Are they clenched fists? Um, what does their face look like right now? Are they smiling? Do they have, and, and really with really little children, showing them different faces, happy faces and sad faces and mad faces and teaching them what they look like. And mm-hmm. then just as they get older and older, you just grow all of that um, into more appropriate ways to, to, um, to teach them what someone's face looks like, what someone's hands looks like, what someone's shoulders look like. And just the whole, that, uh, that, um, the body language part anyway, there's so much as, as you just said about communication that it's, it, you kind of caught me there to be honest. I'm sorry. Sorry. That answer. That's okay. Well, we're, you, you got a, you got a minute and a half and we'll take a break and then you can recover. But okay. cause I, cause I'm, cause I am kind of curious. So, you know, I guess you know, and we'll, when we come back, I'm going to, I'm going to tee up the question that I'll ask when we come back from the break, but you know, cause you're, you're, you're teaching uh, the way at the beginning of the episode, the beginning of this episode, beginning of the show, you talked about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the truancy kids are the special needs children, um, you know, being able to read and, and the dog and stuff like that. And so you're, 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 you're giving them things to look at. And I'm just want to see how we can transfer that to um, uh, an adult who's listening to this show going, yeah, I need to get better at paying attention to verbal cues. So there's some tips and tricks I'm sure that you found that help people read the, the situation. So when we come back from break, Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. And, and then uh, now we'll take a break. Thank you. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered, in a significant, transformational way, the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, 
David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, the third and final segment with my good friend here, Lori Johnson. Um, well, I was gonna, we were going to start with you explaining something. But before we do that, um, really quick... Uh, give us a little tee us up. How's, what's the best way to get a hold of you if we wanted to learn more about what you do or, you know, whatever it is, tell me, tell me what you, uh, what you offer and how we get a hold of you. Okay. Um, I am a work in progress, but I do have a website. Um, it's uh, www.charitysweetlegacy.com. And that's all one word. And then you can also reach me at Lori at CharitySweetLegacy.com, the email. There's, um, I'm working on some courses. I just did a beta course with four professionals, and now I'm taking all their feedback and putting it into um, uh, something that will be available for, for people. If you go to my website, I would really recommend that you um, click on join the newsletter. I promise I won't send you a pile of emails every single day into your inbox. There's just one a month. But if you are interested in this type of work, then you will be able to get those updates where I'm at with this work in progress. And uh, I also have a Facebook um, page and it's uh, Charity Sweet Legacy again. It's all the same thing, and I would love it if you would um, follow me along and watch how things develop and grow. Sounds good. Yeah, Charity Sweet Legacy. If you remember that, you can do everything. Lori at CharitySweetLegacy.com gets to our website, and Charity Sweet Legacy is uh, Facebook. So if you can remember Charity Sweet Legacy, they're all good. Okay, so um, before and during break, we talked about um, the learning curve, and you said talked about uh, uh, bringing leadership in. So, talk to me a little bit about how we uh, how we can uh, learn how you teach, and how we can learn from what you're you're sharing with us here. Okay. Well, one of the things that was really really important for students of any age to learn is is how to be leaders. We want to teach our young people to be able to uh, go out into the world and take initiative and do really amazing things. And leadership's a big part of that. Uh, we would work with the, the students with the dogs and we would teach them how to do different things with the dogs. So different tasks. And one of the things that comes out really, really strongly when you're working with a dog is how your 
leadership or, or the way that you display that can make or break whether the dog will do what you want them to do. They're a lot like, like us. If they think they can get away with it, they're going to try. They're going to challenge us. And uh, even things like if you give them a, a task to do and you say, sit, and your voice goes up a little bit at the end, you're giving, that's a question. And honest to God, you may not believe me, but the dog would think, hmm, I'm not sure that they really mean what they're asking me to do. So I'm going to see if I can get away with it. So we would teach them tonality. So sit. It's it's not an ask. It's I'm giving you a command and, and you need to do it. Things like uh, leadership stance, shoulders back, uh, chest out, Um when you walk with the dog on the leash, that you're walking ahead with your your head up and forward, they really do see all of those things as whether they're going to follow along and do what you're asking them to do. And they they come from the wolf pack, and they would little puppy wolves would look to the the alpha leader for that kind of leadership. So we take that and we just spin it. Um, a little bit to to help the students understand that being a good leader, we're bene, bene, benevolent leaders. We're not mean or or uh, unkind. We do all of our training of dogs with kind. Uh, um, there's no can't even think positive conditioning type methodology, and then we teach them how to use those leadership postures and their voice intonation, all those different things, and to go out into their community with other students using those things that they've learned with the dog. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable how it can transfer, how they can get what that feels like. It's probably that for some of them, for many of them, the first time that they've really experienced how pulling their shoulders back can make the difference in whether the dog is going to see them as a leader or see them as a pushover. And dogs will challenge us because they are wanting to see just what you said, David, is it safe? Is this a good leader? Should I follow this leader? So they challenge us to to find out whether that is is true in in the, the human that's working with them. So um, being able to teach them all of that and then watch them go out into the hallway with their pack of students and you see those things happening within them. They are standing up straighter. They are coming into the classroom maybe with this self-confidence that they didn't have before and watching how the other students react to that is beautiful. You see them belonging. You see them becoming part of something that they weren't before. Right. Well, if somebody's, you know, especially if somebody's, uh, you know, having the experience of being isolated alone or not so much, not as much, there's a lack of self-confidence and stuff like that. can only imagine what the transformation that takes place when they engage in behaviors that result in um, something following them and paying attention to them and engaging them in a, in a very positive and productive way. Yeah. It would be a gigantic shift. We see uh, students and this is going to sound crazy probably, but that wear their hair right over their face and their eyes. 
And after they start to feel better about themselves and they're finding purpose and passion and the hair's back, you, you just, you, it, these, these changes that we see in them, we have to really look for them. It's right. not necessarily, I'm all fixed and I'm better now. It, we are looking very carefully and, and uh, collecting data about how the changes are presenting themselves in each student and for each student, it might be different. Mm-hmm. The other thing that jumps out, you know, I think about for those people who are listening say, you know, how, how to see yourself as a, as a leader. And one of the things that I, I'm taking away from this is because I, you know, obviously I'm a big believer in authenticity and transparency. So that's not what you're talking, you're not talking about pretending to be a leader. What we're saying is what are the things that inspire people to follow us? And so there, it, it's demeanor, it's attitude, it's, it's character. However you convey yourself that way is going to um, greatly influence people's responses to you in those situations. I'm really glad you brought that up in that word authenticity. Dogs will see through it. They will see through a fake, a faker. Yeah. You have to be authentic. And so that's the other beautiful thing that we can teach is what does authenticity feel like? Yeah. When you're faking, how does it feel? And what is your dog doing when you are? And we always would, would tell them um, when they walk through the door of portable, where we would work with them. If they, there's only three emotions to dog training, happy, happier, and happiest, because you will lose the training session very quickly. If you're feeling angry or upset. And so it really taught them those skills they need for employability too. You cannot walk into your employer, like into your place of work every day and say, when someone says, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm terrible. I don't think, you know, you have to sometimes figure out how to turn that around. And uh, there's a lot of, as you probably know, there's a lot of strategies to turning around, feeling lousy to feeling really good and positive. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that everything has to be positive, but you're right. It's, 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 you know, is, is it productive to complain or is it productive to find a way to, you know, put a spin on the, on the situation? And I think that's what it is, is how do I, how do I do things that are, that are, have conversations with people that are productive where I can be transparent, I can be authentic, but at the same time, I have to recognize that I have an audience that's looking to connect with me on a real level. And if I'm, a, if I'm Debbie Downer or Dave Downer, they're going to, yeah, every time I engage with Dave, it's a downer. They're not going to want to engage. Right. You know, so they, they, uh, they'll, they'll embrace transparency, but they're not going to embrace negativity. Right. <laughs> and we have to be sensitive to, we all have times when there's something going on in our lives. It's pretty challenging. And so we, you know, when they would come in, we'd make sure that it was something that they could turn around that they were just being grumpy teenagers. If it was something real, then we would absolutely address it and, and help them solve whatever it was. But um, yeah. That's cool. All right. So, you know, believe it or not, we're almost running out of time. So I was, you know, I was trying to think of, and I didn't have this before. So I apologize. I'm kind of winging this, but um, what's uh What's the one, what's, what's your big end game here? You know, what do you, what's, what's next for you? Well, I, 
I've become involved with an organization as a volunteer that is uh, trying to create a governance or standards of practice for people who want to add animals to their professional practice. And after the pandemic, we really did get a lot of people saying that they felt that uh, the, the stress reduction from their pets when they're working at home and all the stress related to the pandemic. And now they realized how they could uh, potentially use an animal in their business as their coworker. Mm. So I am teaching people how to, to do that, how to go about um, jumping through all the hoops. And then, then how, do, how would you actually engage an animal as an educator or as a coach? How can you make your practice something that goes above and beyond what everybody else might be offering by adding an animal to your, what you're already doing? And That's pretty cool. Hey, you might even make me a, a a pet pet lover now. Who knows? Wouldn't that be nice. Maybe it'd be my breakthrough. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> all right. So it's Lori at CharitySweetLegacy.com. Yes, that's is that right. Correct. Or um, CharitySweetLegacy.com is your website. Yes. And the big ask is if you get if you're interested because Lori sounds to you know, she says I'm a work in progress. Yeah. I got I'm 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 um, building this as I go. I got things I've done that since I'm doing. So if you want to stay in the loop, the best thing to do is go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, and you promise it'll only be a monthly hello and here's what's happening kind of stuff. Is that fair? That's absolutely right. And e if anybody has any questions, email me. I love to get emails from people or you can use the contact form on the website and I would get your, uh, your, your desire to, to talk to me. Sounds good. All right. Well, next week um, I'm having a friend, another Lori on the show and a uh, different Lori, but Lori is going to talk about uh, listening and storytelling. So it's going to be a great conversation just like this one was. And until next week, uh, just a reminder to everybody, open your ears, heart and mind stop telling and start listening because once you start listening everything changes have a great week thanks for listening to this week's episode of stop telling and start listening we hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills until we listen again have a beautiful week